0: Welcome to Echo Online Service. We are so grateful to have you watching today. Be sure to let us know you're out there. Comment, like, share. Maybe let us know where exactly you're watching from. This week is the last week of our redefining hope series that we have kept on reserve for you. So, what to expect today? Our amazing band will kick us off. Pastor Andy and Christy are talking about redefining hope and we'll have a time of response to wrap things up. All under an hour. As this new year starts and you are starting new rhythms and habits, consider the habit of generosity. There's nothing more rewarding than using what has been given to you for the kingdom of heaven. If you are looking to give today, you can do so in three different ways. Head to our website, use the Church Center app, or text any amount to 84321. Malachi 3 says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Let's worship our awesome God with our finances. Thank you for being a part of the Echo Fam, and we hope you enjoy Echo Sunday service.
1: God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again you have proven you do just what you say Though the storms may come and the winds may blow I'll remain steadfast and let my Thank you so much for your promise, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, we just put our faith in you this morning, because you are our anchor, Jesus, our firm foundation. Father, we just love you, and we just worship you this morning. You are the king of kings and the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and we know that all your promises are yes and amen. We thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence this morning. Your love and your presence is so tangible and good. Father, and I pray that if the people in here may not know you, have never experienced your presence this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would soften their hearts and open their ears so that they would hear you and see you and feel you. We thank you, Father. The world is all messed up. The nation is sick, trouble is in the land, confusion all around, but I know somehow that only when it is dark enough
2: can you see the stars.
3: so we are in the middle of a series called redefining hope actually this is the very concluding bookmark of what we're going to talk about and today we're going to lean into uh, our mental state once again as we lean into Luke 7 and my my hope is that during this season or during this series Uh, that we've moved a little bit away from death and stepped towards life, that on that grand scale, uh, we'd all just admit that we could do better. And we're not gonna do better because we hope that... It's going to get better. We're, we're getting better because we're actually going to try. We're actually going to bring this up and talk about our mental states, our emotional states, our physical, our spiritual states, feeling the struggle in the midst of a global pandemic amongst election year and other things that we need some help. And so today, my question to you is, is, I'm wondering, could we take a step one minute at a time, one hour, one day, one week? I'm wondering if we could be a church that by one extra friend, one extra table community, one volunteer opportunity, we could take a step away from death and into life. And I believe this, it starts with just one encounter with Jesus at a time. I think that's what's so profound about what we do here, whether you're watching online or you're in the building is pausing and saying, Jesus, you know what? I may be tired. I may have a billion excuses, but what I'm going to do is take a step towards you, acknowledging that you bring me life. Can I hear an amen? amen.
4: Who wants story time with Christy? You're getting it. Yes. So, how many of you agree with me that the mind is a powerful thing? Any of you ever have some creative, you know, amazing stories when? when maybe your mind was telling you something and it all went downhill from there. Mm. So six years ago, I was in LA at a conference and I was with one of my friends, Jess, and her little sister, Lydia. Lydia and Jess and I were traveling and we had been attending this conference all day and then the plan was we were told to meet at a mile marker on the beach in LA at nighttime to report to this, like, community bonfire. We were wrapping up our conference that we had attended. We were super pumped. So we were staying downtown L.A., so we took an Uber. So we're balling on a budge, and we want small Uber because they're cheaper. I can't think of all the names. So we get in this little hatchback car, and our Uber driver picks us up, and the minute he picks us up, I look at him like, this isn't going to go well. Uh Mind. So I get in the car, and he has a passenger with him, a buddy. Definitely a girlfriend, which I thought was kind of odd. And they kept having this small talk. There was, you know, lots of rap and bass bumping. Barely could talk. He was a larger man. We were in small, like, Volkswagen Golf. And so he Christy had the seat far details. back. It's, it's important. <laughs> so we're all crammed in, three girls in the back seat. And we, you know, we're smart, so we pull up our map. We're telling them where we want to go. And we're following the map on my iPhone. And he is driving a totally different way so we know we're not from there but we're like um do you think we could go the other way because we're also you get paid per mile in time so fast forward 30 minutes mm. we're still in the car we're on a totally different road and they also are asking if we want drugs or alcohol if we needed to make a stop he has hookups <laughs> he is having very odd conversation with us and i'm like my mind starts telling me we're gonna die Yes. We are going to die. He is going to pull off in an abandoned road and he's going to kill us. He's going to leave us there. It's not going to be good. So what we do, because we're very responsible women, and by the way, I'm the oldest one here. So Lydia, the youngest, maybe 20 years old, starts dropping a pin to her mom back in Minnesota. This is where we are if anything happens. <laughs> we start texting each other. What do we do? I don't know. Christy being Minnesota nice. I'm just going to let him keep taking us to wherever he would like us to go. So I am literally panicking. I'm trying to get a hold of Andy. We end up lying. I say, I'm super car sick. I really need some water. We get out of the car and go into a subway. He follows us in. Mm. And I'm trying to tell the employees, there's a man. He's an Uber driver. He's going to kill us. We be, It's like really bad. We're scared. And what do we do, guys? Get back in the car. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I get back in the car, and I'm literally going, I'm setting myself up. You never do what you're supposed to be supposed to be doing. So all this to be said, we end up getting dropped off again. We make up this huge lie. I don't remember what it was. He gets us out of the car. We're freaking out. We're, I mean, I'm like crying, shaking, all of the things. Worst case scenario is happening. Yeah. And what this reminded me that night.
3: I have to interrupt you. I had one of those moments as well. I think I might have told you before, but I was driving home at 3 a.m., when- in the morning, after working in the summer job and going central through Wisconsin. central Wisconsin, going through the, the woods, and all of a sudden I saw some lights off in the distance. And the first thing that came to my mind was that must be aliens over there.
4: <laughs>
3: Let's just say my heart started beating. He's pointing. It and out by to the me. time I actually passed the aliens, man, I was freaking out. How many would agree that the mind is a powerful place?
4: Mind. So what we believe is what we will experience. Yep. The story I believe sometimes is the story that I will experience. I didn't die that night, but mentally, y'all, I died. Mm. It was awful. And I think that if we're being honest here today, there's been moments where our narrative comes into play. The storyline that we say, maybe it's our thoughts. Do you guys know that we can have up to 60,000 thoughts a day? I probably have 90,000 thoughts. Now let's just take inventory of our thoughts and like what we tell ourselves. There's tons of scriptures. One scripture in the Bible that I love is 2 Corinthians ten five, and it says we take captive of every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, that thought can come in, but what are we going to do with it? Or maybe it's someone telling you something, and now you're believing in it. And there's a woman in the Bible that we're going to, like, dive into today and her story, and she's someone who has guts. She's been told all these things and could have all these thoughts, but she chooses to step away from those things.
3: Yeah, it's so good. So good. Uh, If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 7 as I try to fix my mic here. So open up to Luke chapter 7. I'm so tall, my cord is so short, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Has anybody thought about that, you know, how tall I am? Luke chapter seven, uh, what we've done in the last few weeks is we've leaned and just kind of read through every one of these stories. And this is the final story within the scripture and uh, it's a unique one. So let's lean in and see what the Lord is trying to teach us when it comes to our, our mind. In uh, verse 37, it says, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. And he went in to the home of the Pharisee and took his place at the table. What's happening is it was common for Jesus and his disciples to be welcomed and invited into spiritual leaders' homes. But That wasn't the only place that Jesus was welcome. He was welcome into the sinner's homes as well. Not only did he go into the homes of the saints, he went into sinners. He went into tax collectors. He went into a lot of different scenarios. And Jesus finds himself in this little context. And then There's a little twist. There's something that gets, it starts getting a little interesting. There's this jaw-dropping moment when this lady walks in. She's an unlikely character, and really this begins the drama. So listen here. It says this in verse 37. It says, a woman who lived in the town, a sinner, who was aware that Jesus was eating in the home of the Pharisee, brought an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. In verse 38, it says, stood behind, And she stood behind Jesus at his feet and began to weep until her tears began to wet his f- feet. And then she began to wipe his feet with, his own, with her own hair, kissing his feet, and poured the perfume on them. <laughs> this is an awkward moment. I don't know if you've ever been in a scenario like that where someone enters a room and all of a sudden things change. You start feeling that anxiety. You really don't know what this person is going to say. You don't know what this person is going to do. But what we do need to know is this, is this woman is a sinner. Commentators believe she's a prostitute. And by any kind of uh, like really no scenario during the light would she ever be welcome into this home. And as I'm processing this, I think like, like maybe she carried in an alabaster jar because maybe she was trying to configure and trying to figure out a way where she could walk in and act like maybe she was a part of the festivities. Maybe she was a part of what was going on and she walked in. But when she walked in, man, she had a plan. What I want you to know is this, is on that spectrum from death to life, I'm telling you, she is dead. She probably feels dead inside. She feels like as if she's got nothing to offer the world. And the world also would look at her and would submit that she is dead to the community. This is the lady who walks into Jesus' context, into the Pharisees' context.
4: Yeah, I just think the magnitude of what she was experiencing at that time. And I think that if we were looking at that scenario, we could be like, she didn't belong there. Or how did she have the guts to go in there? But she was focused. She knew what she was supposed to do. And I think that sometimes the biggest growth that happens is that when we step outside of our comfort zone. And I think our head can do this spiral, like our thoughts where there's no, you know, I know for me, I have thoughts that. Tell me, there's no way I can do it. What if they make fun of me? Or what if I screw up? Or what if I think I'm hearing this, but I'm actually not hearing this? Or maybe I can do it another time. Excuses. And and she had every right to have those excuses, but she walked in. She had nothing to lose. I mean, honestly, she probably felt like she lost everything. And then she has this alabaster jar, and she goes to Jesus. She mutes the noise that's going around her. And I think... All of us can take that and put it into our own life was when's the last time that you walked into a room that maybe you felt like you didn't belong, or maybe you felt like you were the weakest person there, or you're trying, maybe it's a new job and you're stepping foot into your work environment and you're the new person in, you know, like on your floor and you're like, how am I ever going to learn all of these things? But it's taking it one step at a time. And I just think our biggest step is that first step in those scenarios.
3: Yeah, I believe that her first step is one that we don't read about, and that's in her mind. Yeah, I think if we're going to address our overall health, it really begins with the mind. Uh, I believe if you move your mind, your feet will follow. Mm-hmm. I believe that hope starts with the movement of our mind, that we've got to begin to, to really just put within our heart, as Christy read, uh, take captive every thought To make it obedient to Christ. That's where I believe health begins. So what I want to do is just look at her and and, and just kind of like pick apart what she did. And what if we could apply that to our mental state? What if we could apply that to our health? And if as we're becoming healthy and healthier, I'm wondering if hope would just begin to rise. That we begin to redefine hope, we begin to live within the hope that Christ gives us. So these are four steps to healing. They're pretty simple. Uh, I I believe it's in in essence, it's it's taking a step from death into life. The first step is this: is invite yourself to the party. Some of you are like, "What kind of party are we going to?" Well, you'll never know unless you take a step towards it. See, I believe things can be better. I think one of the first lies that we begin to tell ourselves is things will never be better. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter if I go out of my comfort zone or not. Things will not change. I'm telling you, if you don't invite yourself to part the party, things won't change. I can guarantee you that. It's just how that's how it goes. I'm telling you, this lady invited herself into the party. She invited herself in. She came up with something to carry, I think, just to make her feel like she had a job. And I'm telling you what, she had the guts to go there. And I'm just wondering if we could be a church that has the guts to go there. That we would begin to acknowledge maybe our health or lack thereof. That we'd begin to just look at each other and say, Hey, you know what? If Jesus is somewhere and he wants me to go there, I don't care what thing is in the way. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to invite myself to the party. Everybody go, woo, woo. It's party time. I'm telling you, very little things change within our comfort zone. And she stepped out of her comfort zone and into, man, I'm telling you what, man, into the fire. The second thing, if we want to begin to heal, is come carrying intentions. Come carrying intentions. When we invite ourselves to the party, when we invite ourselves to become mentally more healthy, I'm telling you, what, no one else is going to do that. No one's going to ask you to do that. No one's going to make you do that. So when we invite ourselves to begin to heal, walk in with intentions. Walk in with grit. Everybody say Grit. Right. Come in there, holding onto the perfume. In essence, I think what she's doing is she's walking into the party, and she's like this. She's, like, "I'm going to be an active participant. I'm not going to be an innocent bystander." She walks in, no matter what everybody else is thinking, she comes in with intentions. I'm telling you what, we would never go to war without a sword. And that's what we need to do when we are taking steps into life. The third one is this is hold nothing back. I mean, really, stop lying to yourself. Stop telling yourself that there doesn't need to have change doesn't need to happen. Or, like I said, some of those things I've already brought up that things will never change. When she entered into the context of Jesus and the party, she went right for the kill. And she began to weep behind him. And, 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 and I'm telling you what, what she begins to expose or what she begins to show is she has an emotional depth and she has an emotional awareness. And I'm telling you what, if we are going to become, uh, we're going to take a step towards life, then guess what? We just have to hold nothing back. We have to be willing to let go of everything. I think one of the things that I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up here just in a second is sometimes our bias is the biggest issue that we carry. The bias is what is the biggest issue that we carry. The fourth thing is this, is stay humble with actions. She came in and she began to weep as her, the water begins to just go on his feet. She began to wash his feet with her hair. She began to do what she could to honor the person that could bring healing. In this culture, it's extremely odd. If someone was kissing my feet, it would be really, really odd. But I'll tell you what, what she was doing and what she's showing you this, is showing us today is stay humble with action. This was her attempt to give the little that she had. She didn't come in with much. But what she did have, she was willing to give. And I think what we do is we sit in church like this and we think we've got nothing to offer. You've got everything to offer. And I'm telling you, if you walk into the place, you invite yourself into the party, you carry intentions, you hold nothing back, you stay humble and begin to give. You you, kind of keep true to the action and saying, Lord, I may not have everything figured out, but I'm gonna give you what I have. I'm telling you, we will take a step towards life. You know what I love? I love. I love how science begins to confirm what, what the Bible says. In psychology, or psychology today, I read just a couple of weeks ago uh, on how to build your mental wellness. There's like 15 or 16 in this, this article. Five of them are this, and totally confirms what I just brought up. They say, you know what, if you want to become mentally more healthy, then do these five things, give. Practice gratitude, surround yourself with positivity, connect with others, and know when to get help. Can I hear an amen? Amen. This is what she was doing. And this is where the story gets interesting. In verse 39, it says, when the Pharisees had invited him, saw, saw what was going on, he had an inner dialogue. Again, it goes right to the mind. What we can read about in her scenario or what we don't read about is the hurdle that she had to get over just to enter into the room, into the house. For him, it's just plain and simple. He has this inner dialogue. He said to himself, is this man, if this man were really a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what sort of woman she is. That she is a sinner. And she is a sinner. I'm telling you what this Pharisee is doing is what we do all the time. He's building upon his bias. The situation that he's living in is beginning to just confirm what he already believes. He already believes that Jesus is not who he says he is and can't do what he says he's going to do. And he knows who this woman is. He knows what she's done. And he just knows that she is up to no good. And the bias just begins to build. And I just want to caution us. I want us to begin to, to hack the algorithm inside of our minds. And I want to tell you this one thing. is We need to stop building upon our bias. Because one day we just might end up in a prison. That we built brick by brick, thought by thought, what we do is we begin to learn to hate, we begin to learn how to discredit someone, we begin to cancel the people that aren't like us, that don't look like us, that don't sound like us that enter into our homes, enter into our context. And what we do is say, you know what? You aren't who you think you are. You don't deserve any kind of credit. And guess what? You are in my way. And Jesus is sitting there and he's, he's observing the Pharisees. And I think it's just phenomenal what happens. He looks at Simon and he says, Simon, even though Simon had never said anything, he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. See, what Jesus did is he addresses his thoughts. I mean, really, when was the last time you allowed Jesus to address your thoughts? (laughs) I said my awkward laugh. (sighs) Because guess what? It's so much easier for me to just not allow Jesus to confront me, to challenge me. But really, when was the last time you allowed Jesus to confront your mind? When was the last time you allowed Jesus to confront your bias, your fear, your hate, your mental state, your ego, or maybe your pride? C.S. Lewis writes, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more than the next person. Come on, we gotta be careful. If we're gonna take positive steps mentally, If we're gonna take positive steps mentally, what we're going to have to do is to lay aside our thoughts, to lay aside our ego, to lay aside our pride and say, Lord, you know what? I might be having some stinking thinking, but would you just begin to address some of those things? Jesus, and where he takes the rest of the story is this way. He, He looks at those two. Obviously, it's pointed at Simon. And he says this, he says, hey, Simon, there are two people who can't pay back their debts. And the debtor looks at them and says, I know you can't pay it back, but I'm going to pay it off. And then he asks this simple question and he said this, he said, who would love the debtor more? And Simon says this, the one who he forgave more. Because... He is loved more because he's loved much. And I'm just telling you, I guess what I'm trying to get to is if we're going to get to this positive mental, emotional, physical, spiritual state, then I believe we've got to begin to allow Jesus to just begin to rework and hack the algorithm of our mind and our biases and our pride and our ego and our thoughts and say, God, would you just do a work inside out? If we're gonna redefine our hope, we're going to, and we're gonna remain mentally healthy in the midst of moving within a changing world, man, I think we need to remember three things. These are the three things and then we're done. I think we've got to remember to love much. If we're gonna stay healthy, we've got to remember to love much. Number two, I believe we've got to remember the humble state in which we received that love. And number three, we need to remember that we have been forgiven. I'm telling you, the longer we follow Jesus the further away we move from the mental state of the sinner and into the unhealthy mindset of the saint. And it's so easy to look back at the sinner and say, I know what your problems are. The problem is, is the longer we serve Jesus, more of those thoughts are hidden. And today, I just wanna, again, just lean into Jesus and say, Jesus, would you just reconfigure? Would you just give us a restart? Would you begin to redefine our thought processes so that we would have a hope for the future, that we could become healthier individuals, healthier dads, healthier moms, healthier families, healthier employees, healthier bosses? Anybody need it this morning morning, just wondering? Come on. I'm gonna ask my friend, uh, Jim Gooden. to come up, he's a pastor friend of mine, and I just believe that he's he uh, he has the permission to maybe add on a few thoughts if you'd like. But really, what I'd like for you to do is just simply just pray for us, Jim.
5: Jesus, what a what a humbling honor it is that you've invited us to draw close to you. Yes, we love we love promises of scripture where we can um, we can hear the positive things that you think about us, the positive things that you, you say about us, even singing these songs over over each other this morning that you are madly in love with us so we can hold our heads up high, not because of who we are, but because our identity is secure and founded in you. We're united because of you. We're healed because of you. Our thoughts and mind and heart, even our past is redefined because of you. Yes. And so, Lord, the the beautiful thing about healing that's found in you, it's, it's not about trying a little bit harder to become a little bit better. It's about coming to you and being just a little bit more like you. Yes. And so when your word says something like this, when it says that when we draw close to you, you draw close to us. And it's in those moments where you renew our hearts and you renew our minds. And so in humility, and maybe friends, I just invite you just to put your hands out in a receiving posture. Jesus wants to, you to receive yes. something. Yes. And so maybe right now he's bringing a word to your mind, to your heart, Maybe he's bringing a a negative experience up in your mind right now. Maybe he's bringing up uh, something that has a, a grip on your heart, a grip on your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe he's bringing up a relationship to you right now where he wants you to come to him to receive healing. He's bringing that to your heart right now. So Jesus, we just receive that. And it's going to, we, we just want to just say, we're going to submit to you and we're going to move out of our comfort yes. and we'll walk in obedience. Yes. All the while, just like this woman, all the while honoring you with our very best, whatever we have to give, we honor you. And so we receive this in your name. Yes. Everyone said amen. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Today amen. we, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Today, uh, just acknowledge some of you might've walked into this place and you feel far from God. For some of you, you walked into this place and you hear about Jesus and who he is and what he has done. And you feel less than. For some of you, you feel like that sinner. You feel like the lady who doesn't have much to offer. And today, I just wanna let you know what Jesus tells you because he said it to her. He said, he looked at her and number one, he says, your sins are forgiven. Your trust has saved you and now go in peace. Although your sins are many, they are forgiven. I'm telling you what Jesus did is he came onto earth. He lived a life. He felt what we felt. He lived amongst us. To not reject the sinner, but to invite the sinner into love, into unforgiveness. And today, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with us today as we pray every week as a reminder for us as we follow Jesus, but also an invitation for people to follow God for the first time. It's not the end all, but I'm telling you, it is a step. And as we pray this, I pray that your mind would become renewed that your mind would just simply say, Lord, I surrender. I may not feel like it, but this is where I'm going because that's where my hope lies. Church, would we stand up today? Would you pray this as it's on the screen with us today? Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. And everybody said,